That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, I'll be looking ahead to some of the nuts and bolts with the upcoming midterm elections and the expected change in hands from a Democrat majority to a Republican majority. Right now, my team and I at Full Measure are preparing for our eighth season of original and investigative reporting on untouchable topics and We're doing fair reporting on issues of importance, kind of like the news used to be. I'm already researching and beginning to shoot new stories. I'll soon be traveling to Europe for important stories that impact us in ways you might not have thought about and that a lot of others are not reporting on. I'll also be going back to the U.S. southern border, as I often do, to report on that troubling and dynamic situation. See what we find. Meantime, we are on replays of our best of full measure programs on Sundays, If you'd like to find a station near you and see what you may have missed during the regular season, go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab for a list of stations and times near you. Today, I'm going to take a bit of time to look ahead to the midterm elections and give a little background based not only on my experience of decades covering Washington, D.C., mostly non-political reporting, by the way, but you'd be surprised how investigations I've done about fraud and abuse and scandals winds around to political figures and situations like Fast and Furious. But I've interviewed a lot of Democrats and Republicans over the years, including for some stories on full measure, who've been very candid about the way things work in Washington, D.C. And while most of you already know something of it, that there are special interests pulling strings able to get hearings held or get hearings canceled on certain topics, writing bills for the lawmakers who don't even read them. It's hard to imagine the depth with which this system, I call it an extra constitutional system of decision makers led by the party leaders. It's hard to imagine the depths of these complex inner workings. As you've heard both Democrats and Republicans say in stories that I've reported on full measure, while there are areas of public disagreement among the parties, Behind closed doors, they agree on more than they disagree on because they're often funded by the same interests. And even when you have well-meaning representatives of Congress or the Senate elected who want to do what they think is the right thing for the people, and there are many, they discuss being dictated to on how they can vote and what they can say in large part by their party leaders. What happens if they don't go along with the party leaders Well, as Congressman Ken Buck told me on Full Measure and wrote in his book, Drain the Swamp, they will not get an important assignment on a congressional committee. And without that, it's difficult to raise money or get reelected. Why? Well, because the members often raise money from the very interests they're supposed to oversee. This is a system that's developed. For example, there's a transportation committee in Congress that makes transportation law and holds hearings and so on. If you get a spot on that plum committee, then you get to raise money from transportation companies, say the airlines, 
with the implicit promise when they give you money that you will not be heavy-handed in matters related to the airline industry or you will basically act in their best interest, not necessarily the interests of the people you represent. This is not me talking. These are members of Congress, both Democrats and Republicans. Also, if you don't go along with what party leaders want you to do for their own financial interests, well, you risk your own political party finding someone to run against you in your next primary, someone who will cooperate with the party. So you start to see what it takes to get ahead on Capitol Hill and why many of the members really seem to be working for other interests instead of us. This is true in both parties. Another facet of all of this that I've covered on Full Measure is the quota system of fundraising that most people don't know about, and it even surprises new members of Congress. After they're elected, they are called into a big meeting by party leaders and told how much money, a quota, that they're expected to raise before the next election. Now, members of Congress, because of potential conflicts of interest and money taking over things on the Capitol, well, they're not allowed to make fundraising calls at the Capitol, but no matter, both sides have buildings they've established a short walk away, sort of boiler rooms with cubicles where they dial for dollars. They're typically given a list of people by their leaders who will contribute to them when they call based on the committees that these members are assigned to sit on. I use the transportation example, but another is maybe you're given a coveted seat on the Armed Services Committee that deals with military issues, well, you'll get a list of big defense contractors to call for money and they will give donations. Now, those who don't meet their assigned quotas, and these are very aggressive quotas that are difficult, some say daunting because they've just gotten elected by asking everyone they know for contributions and now here they're being given a huge amount they have to start earning again right away. Those who don't meet their assigned quotas risk being ostracized or singled out or humiliated because their names and amounts that they should have raised may be shown on a public board in these fundraising boiler rooms, as I call them. And again, they risk not being allowed to keep their place on the important committee if they can't raise the assigned amount of money. If you don't have one of these coveted spots on a committee, or if you fall out of favor with your party leaders by voting a way that they don't want you to vote, or coming down a certain position they don't want you to have, you might not ever be able to get a bill that you care about considered or get much of anything important done. So you're in sort of a damned if you do and damned if you don't position. Now, this is not to say it doesn't matter which party is in charge on Capitol Hill because there are general agendas set and laws made or killed depending on the makeup and who's holding the most cards. As you know, right now, the Senate like much of America, I'd say, is about 50-50, half Democrat, half Republican. But it's considered a Democrat-majority Senate because the tie-breaking vote is the vice president, who is a Democrat, Kamala Harris. The House is also Democrat-controlled, 220 members right now Democrat, 210 members Republican, not a huge spread, and five seats vacant at last check in an article I read. Now, coming up on these midterm elections in November, there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 representatives, House members, who have announced they're retiring. With more Democrat incumbents, that's sitting members of Congress, retiring than Republicans, 
There are quite a few more Democrats. That's considered a potential advantage for the other party, the Republicans. Why? Well, incumbents are always, almost always harder to defeat. So if there are incumbents leaving their seats, it opens up to two people who haven't held the seat or weren't recently holding the seat. And that kind of opens up more possibilities for the other side. And right now, all sides seem to agree that Republicans hold an advantage going into these midterm elections. And follow me, it's typically the case where whatever party holds the presidency, in this case, the Democrats, well, in the next election, two years later, two years before the next presidential election, the midterms, the other party seems to always do better, maybe almost always do better for whatever reason. So that's another reason why Republicans are expected to perhaps do very well in November. Now, another point, why is it so important as to who has the majority in the House or the Senate or both? Well, that party in many respects holds all the cards on so many important factors. Their leaders get to decide whether a bill will get considered and ultimately become a law, get voted on and so on. They get to have a majority, the most members on all the important committees with maybe an exception or two where it's split. But in general, they hold the majority and leadership positions of the important committees where bills originate, where hearing topics are decided or censored and so on. They make a lot of rules. Whoever's in charge really rules the roost. Members have frequently described it's no fun to be in the minority, which probably helps explain why more from the party expected to be in the minority retire before an election where there's probably going to be a switch. All of that remains to be seen for this coming November, but some Republicans are already counting their chickens. And as I said, most experts seem to think Republicans will take a majority in the House of Representatives this November. Maybe the Senate, not sure about that. Well, I recently spoke to a Republican leader, Congressman Steve Scalise, about what's to come if Republicans do get a majority in the House of Representatives. Scalise, by the way, is one of the members of Congress shot and injured in the horrific attack by the Bernie Sanders supporter on June 14th, 2017. So a little more than five years ago now. Recovery has been a long road for him and is ongoing in terms of him getting back to where he was physically prior to the attack. Congressman Scalise talked to me about an upcoming rollout of a sort of contract with America, reminiscent to me of the contract with America that Republican leader Newt Gingrich rolled out prior to the midterms in 1994. The contract with America back then explained what the Republican Party would do if it won the majority, which it did. And as one analyst wrote, quote, never before had so detailed a document become such an integral part of a congressional election campaign. Never had so many innovative ideas been drafted into legislation so quickly and never in the previous six decades had so much legislation been passed by the House of Representatives in less than 100 days after the newly elected members of Congress took office. Some of the tenets or the policy platforms of the contract with America were things like cutting government growth, welfare reform, very important at the time, although I feel like things have kind of slipped back to where they were. Uh, the welfare reform idea under Newt Gingrich was more about getting people off welfare, if possible, requiring work, but giving people every opportunity to 
um, have a benefit of government help to get off welfare in order to be self-sufficient. And President Clinton at one point said it couldn't be done. It would result in, you know, tons of homeless people being flooded onto the street and so on. But he ultimately signed welfare reform to his credit. He had Republican Congress to work with, but he went along and it was considered ultimately by both sides to be a really important piece of legislation that did work at the time. Well, the 10 items in the contract with America back then, as I mentioned, were all acted upon in the first 100 days which was part of the pledge, and nine of the 10 items in the contract passed in the House of Representatives. What was the one that did not pass? The Constitutional Amendment on Term Limits, which required a two-thirds vote. They didn't want that. Not enough people wanted that. That was defeated. In any event, here's Congressman Steve Scalise on what we can expect from Republicans in a rollout of a sort of contract with America that is apparently soon to be coming. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, we're going to be ready to go day one. We've already been working with all of our members on an agenda. We're going to roll it out this summer called the Commitment to America. And it'll be a contract with America type document where we're going to lay out bold conservative ideas for how to solve the problems the country's facing on every front. You know, clearly inflation, gas prices, border security are front and center. Uh, But parental involvement in kids' education is critical. We should be talking about school choice. We're going to be talking about safety in the streets because a lot of these people have moved to defund the police and are now you look at a lot of communities where they're not even putting criminals in jail. It's a de facto defund the police. We need to confront that, too. And I think there's a lot of national interest behind all of those issues coming to the forefront. And we're going to have hearings early off as well, because there's a long list of hearings from our oversight committee to the committees of jurisdiction that want to bring people in. I mean, what about the origins of COVID? Why haven't they had a hearing on that? Uh, So many other questions that need to be answered just on the health side, let alone when you get into issues like border security. How many people have come into our country illegally? Where have they been sent? The administration won't tell anybody. I mean, they won't even tell governors how many people are sending to their states. And yet they show up by dark of night and coming in on airplanes and buses. And that's the first time you as a, as a governor might find out that Biden's sending these people to your state. Uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're going to have real transparency and get answers to these questions. OK. Anything else you want to talk about today or add to what we've talked about? I think people are hungry for getting to the bottom of the, of the truth, uh, getting back to 
just the basic freedoms that this country was founded upon. And, you know, for anybody that might have taken that for granted before COVID, I think now they realize more than ever how important it is to have the right leaders in place. Because if you happen to be in a state that their governor embraced freedom, you got to live a much more fruitful life during that horrible period than if you were in a state where the governor believed in shutting everything down and controlling your life. And by the way, during that last two years of COVID, a lot of people moved from those shutdown states to the states that embraced freedom. You can see it, whether it's a million people who left New York to go to Florida, whether it's probably over a million people that left California to go to Texas. Look at where people were leaving. It was mostly far left, socialist run shutdown states, and they moved to states uh, that conservative leaders embraced freedom and gave people the scientific tools, but let people live their life. Because, you know, trust people, they'll do the right thing, but empower them. And, and don't take away their freedoms. That was Congressman Steve Scalise. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll leave a good review, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the store tab for some thought-provoking and fun products with some really good independent thinking sayings on them designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. This has never been more important because of today's extremely managed information environment. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.